A special thanks to AMSA partner Walters Kluwer for supporting AMSA AdLib. To find out how you can save big on products through Walters Kluwer and their discounts on Lippincott resources, visit amsa.org WK. Before we get started, whether this is your first episode of AMSA AdLib or your 40th, we need to know what you'd like to be hearing, and you could pick up one of our $100 Amazon gift cards along the way. Please take our brief survey. You can find a link to it at amsa.org slash adlibsurvey. The Empowered Patient. How do you work with your patients in the era of Yelp? Welcome to AMSA AdLib, where we bring together the intimate perspectives of medical students and experts alike to help you carve out your own path along your medical journey. I'm your host, Christine Camizio. So even after you've left medical school, you'll have to stay current. There's a lot more to it than just picking up CME credits. Though staying up to date on clinical medicine and pharmacology is critical, there are technologies and trends among patients and society that you'll have to keep up with too. Dr. Jim Slayton explains how he's found that to be the case over the past 25 years since he graduated medical school and served as AMSA president. He also has some advice on how you, as a physician in training, can help more experienced physicians stay up to date on those trends, too. Here's AdLib's Pete Thompson speaking with Dr. Jim Slayton. My name is Jim Slayton. I'm a former AMSA president from the early 1990s. I'm a physician, a psychiatrist, and I am a senior medical director with Optum, where we look at medical fraud, waste, and abuse to ensure that the dollars that are spent in healthcare are effectively spent and not wasted. I'm also a senior member of the AMSA Foundation Board of Directors. You mentioned a moment ago that uh, you were uh, AMSA president in the early 90s, and could you tell us a little bit about how the provider experience has changed or how the nature of being a medical care provider in that era, how is it different? Right. So it's been about 25 years almost since I graduated from medical school, and we've entered the digital age. Uh, These days, staying current as a physician is a lot more complicated, and you have to be selective about the data that you get because, as you might imagine, online you can find all sorts of good stuff and all sorts of not-so-good stuff. So there's that whole idea of how to stay current. And then the challenge, of course, is that your patients are going to uh, be accessing many of the same resources that you have, and they're going to be asking you questions about resources that you might never have heard about. In addition, there are many more resources that are access through social media, uh, professional social media, uh, LinkedIn, other uh, elements of the platform that that are helpful to know about in terms of how to uh, get better access uh, to care for your patients, teaching patients how to monitor their intake and exercise through through mobile apps like Lose It, which I've used myself in order to kind of stay fit, and ways of kind of understanding how Fitbit and other applications and, and devices can be helpful in terms of patients' uh, well-being. And in terms of how the, the patient experience has changed, is there, is there something different about being a patient now than there was back then? The expectation from patients is that you're going to be knowledgeable, that you're going to be there in the moment, that uh, there's a saying in the business world, be here now, that you're uh, there and paying attention to the patient, not interrupting them as frequently, being more attentive to the agenda that they have and also some of the things that they may be a, a, a little bit afraid or embarrassed to bring up with you, and uh, knowledgeable about their uh, their care, 
through all the records that they have, including uh, digital records, records that they uh, may have brought with them. It's a very different thing than the kind of darkest Dr. Marcus Welby uh, 1970s look where, you know, a doctor in white coat with a beard and sounding professorial tells the patient what to do, and the patient's supposed to go and do it. There's much more of a transaction and uh equality in the patient-physician relationship these days, where patients are ideally better consumers uh, of their uh, care and know more of what they're looking for in the patient experience with their doctors. Uh, They're critical. They rate you. You can find your ratings online. And uh, you should know that uh, there's a lot more information out there that the patients have access to that you should also have access to. Does that come with a level of frustration, or is it something that can make the physician's experience easier or is it at a level of difficulty in terms of managing information that they may have gotten that may not be sound? So patients will sometimes think that because they saw it online, it's the gospel when it really isn't, or maybe something that uh, has been debunked that they still in their hearts believe in. The important thing is to provide sound information to the patient without necessarily challenging their core beliefs too directly because that can be a turnoff for them. So there are ways of kind of being trained to actively listen to patients, understanding what their agenda is, what they want to know, and having creating a dialogue with them, even if you don't necessarily agree with what they want on a given day to have uh, an opportunity to talk with the patient to explain what the course of action should be or could be and how you can best help them to achieve that. You mentioned some of the technologies, like you mentioned the Fitbit. One of the things we've been talking about recently in some of the episodes has been the empowered patient in terms of they're getting access through everything from even through CVS and things they're buying off the counter to do testing and kind of bypassing their providers in different ways. Part of the concern being that the physicians themselves are not always up to date in terms of the technology and things that are available to them. And are they really able to harness some of these technologies their patients are already putting in practice? Is there some concern there? There's always a risk, no matter what generation, that some of the most senior physicians that you might be working with uh, may not have kept up with their professional education, or they may not be aware of the trends in the consumer world, in the healthcare consumer world, so that they don't necessarily understand the particular desires or needs in 2015 of their patients. I find that talking with new physicians, members of AMSA, including the pre-medical members, keeps me up to date in terms of some of the interesting trends that they're seeing. And it helps me as I complement that with my own patient experiences uh, here, having been in the field of medicine about 20 years plus. So, uh, you know, I have a different perspective, but hopefully I can still learn. An old dog can learn new tricks still, perhaps. And I think that there's an opportunity. I also like the idea of lifelong learning that the professional societies and the board, uh, the boards have in terms of having physicians in my generation still keep up on newer, uh, newer technologies and treatments for patients in our field. My, in mine, for example, psychiatry, understanding the new drugs and some of the other newer te- uh, techniques to treat treatment-resistant depression and other conditions. Do you have any advice for the medical student of today or people who will soon be providers themselves? Yeah, I think that it's important, no matter what uh, point you're entering the system, whether you're a pre-med or a medical student, a newly trained uh, physician exiting residency, or somebody at my point in in the career, and that is that you have to uh, enter each patient care 
encounter with some uh, humility and grace in terms of understanding that you don't have all the answers necessarily and that it's really a dialogue that you want to create with the patient in order to ensure that he or she has the best health outcome for themselves. I think that's really important and something that sometimes doctors don't always remember and it's it's an important thing. It'll make you a better doctor and allow you to learn from your patients the way you learn from your colleagues and ideally the way you learn in everyday interactions with the rest of your professional community. AMSA has been an amazing opportunity for medical students, pre-meds, residents and other people in early practice and folks further in their practice like I am now across their careers and it's it's a remarkable opportunity to connect with uh, people who have a zeal and a passion for uh, making a difference in medicine. I think it's an amazing place to be and it's still so exciting to be part of the organization now 30 years after I first joined to see where the organization has come and where I anticipate it will be going in the next 30 to 50 years. There's a lot of information and new technology floating around out there that serves as an additional resource for patients and their treatment. Do you have any thoughts on working with the empowered patient? How has this affected your interactions with patients or your treatment plans moving forward? We'd love to hear from you. Send us your thoughts at adlib at amsa.org. AMSA AdLib is brought to you by the American Medical Student Association. I'm your host, Christine Camizio. This episode was produced by Pete Thompson and myself with help from Sandy Friday. Joshua Caulfield is the show's executive producer and Dr. Deborah Hall is AMSA's national president. We hope you enjoyed this episode and thank you for listening. A special thanks to AMSA partner Walters Kluwer for supporting AMSA AdLib. To find out how you can save big on products through Walters Kluwer and their discounts on Lippincott resources, visit amsa.org WK.